0: to the White Bikini. My name is Marie White and joining me today is my faithful co-host Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas?
1: Well, Marie, I'm fine. Thank you. That's a very nice introduction.
0: It is Saturday, 5-27-2023. Happy Memorial Day weekend, the unofficial start of summer. Yay! Summers feel different post-pandemic. Am I wrong?
1: You mean that we f- should feel lucky that we're still alive?
0: Yeah, I'm complaining and I guess I should be lucky about that. Just a different vibe, but I'm all here for the warmer weather, the summer days. Summer lovin' had me a blast. That was a Grease reference. Summer lovin' had me a blast. This is a little more of a free format today, Nick. It's gonna be just talking about some first of all, wishing everyone, all of our listeners, a happy memorial day. I love summer. It's the best time of the year and just kind of talk about some quick stories, just try to catch everyone up. I hope everyone's doing well. First, we have to acknowledge the passing of Tina Turner. Absolutely. Simply the best.
1: Better than all the rest.
0: When I read Tina Turner's 83, I don't, I guess it's like everyone, you encapsulate someone at the peak of their life. And to me, she's always gonna be on MTV and 45 years old. I don't have the point of reference for the Ike and Tina Turner review, I just don't. I saw her on MTV and I heard the first first chorus of, let's stay together. And I just turned my head and she ruled the decade.
1: No, she was definitely a phenomenal performer. Simply just like a really nice, elegant woman who overcame tremendous pain and suffering At the hands of her partner i I don't remember was she actually married to ike or or were they just in a sort of professional romantic relationship
0: someone didn't do the research ike and tina turner were married they had four children my understanding only one of the children which is not diminishing anything was biological
1: you mean they adopted
0: no well Ike, of course, Ike had two children from another relationship as did Tina.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
0: And she had all boys. So I, I, how can I say this? I think as a woman, I'm about to say something terrible, but I'm going to say it. Sometimes the right daughter is a good thing.
1: I truly, I would agree with that. I think there are a lot of women who would benefit from having a good, healthy relationship with a daughter because I think there are certain things having a son. It doesn't matter how dedicating dedicated they are men perceive the world through the perspective of men and i'm speaking in broad general terms you know so this isn't necessarily a discussion about gender or anything like that but i understand what you're saying i think i think some women would benefit and do benefit from having a close relationship with a with a daughter
0: tina had all boys and it's i was leaving work last night as you know where i work and you know i went under the bridge and took the left And I was deeply touched. I saw, I assume, a husband walking ahead by himself. And it actually made me tear up a little. I saw a woman probably mid to late 30s with her mother. Actually, the mother was healthy. She was fine, but actually holding her hand. And they were so excited to be together. It it made me teary eyed. And it was right then I was like, just women and daughters move everything forward. And I was deeply touched by her really being in there with her mother, holding her hand, loving her. And I just thought it was so sweet. And when I heard about Tina's sons, you know, and Tina, unfortunately, did lose two boys in the last 10 years. And I I just feel like she started to run out of steam for many different reasons. But to me. Not to idolize youth or to only think about good times, but she is always singing the chords of since we've been together on MTV, that's who she'll
1: always be to me. For me, it was a little bit different. It's two men enter, one man leave. Mad Max from Thunderdome. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's the difference between men and women.
1: There you go. And that's a perfect example. You <laughs> go through this long discursive this uh, explanation of the relationship between females, between mothers and daughters. And I bring up a movie quote,
0: but also she was badass in Mad Max. When I even saw that video, I was like, oh, my God, she and her and Mel Gibson. It was a very specific time in American music and she just wrote out that decade and she had many good decades after the
1: 1980s. Yeah, for sure. For sure. She um, she was a relevant cultural figure all the way up into, I'd say maybe up until maybe about 10 years ago, because the Tina Turner musical on Broadway. She was instrumental in selecting the actress for the Broadway performance of for her life. She was also, I believe, involved in selecting Angela Bassett to play her in her in the life in her the movie of her life so she has been even though she wasn't necessarily performing, which she actually did on, on several occasions within, you know, I think within the past 10 years. I mean, she did some very small venues, but she has been on the scene and applying her trade, her craft as a musician, as an artist. So it's it's remarkable. It's remarkable. And I think for me, the thing that's, that's striking about Tina Turner and her legacy, as I've alluded to before, is the idea that she endured horrific suffering at the hands of Ike Turner, but she was still and this is from the perspective of just someone who's just a fan she always just exudes disgrace and kindness and gentleness about her in a way that you would think someone who had endured that kind of violence would just be at least for their own benefit closed off and protective and shying away from the rest of the world so i i do i i do find her impressive
0: the one thing that i remember well she stopped performing in 2009 which is fair you know, as as a obviously I'm an adult now, I don't really think about the grueling, you know, when I go to a concert when I was younger, even the last 10 years, I don't think about what it takes to put that show on. But as you know, recently, Taylor Swift was in town and just the monumental task. Of course, Taylor Swift, you can't really. She's not a good point of reference because she is Tina Turner is a star, but Music has changed since 2009. You know, uh, Taylor Swift had, you know, nine tractor trailers, all of the stuff that went on. You never think about all of the grueling tour, what they had to go through. But I'm sure by 2009, she was kind of like, you know, this is it, and that's okay. It's okay. And that's what I loved about Tina. She knew when to get off stage.
1: Yeah. And let's not forget, there's a very important aspect to Tina Turner's performances, and that is her dancing. She wasn't. and, And I don't mean to minimize people that go on stage and play guitar and sing. That is a grueling task to do that for three hours, a four hour show, however long it is but she would go on stage she was like a james brown kind of performer agreed she sang she danced she engaged with the public it was it was like the ultimate cardio workout and i don't mean that to minimize her performance or anyway it's basically to highlight the level of dedication that she had to her craft so you're right so the idea that she's she passed away roughly 10 years ago no, no, so, no, I mean, She stopped she, performing. She, Yeah, she stopped performing, excuse me, 10 years ago. And now she is in her in her 80s. That means she was still kicking butt in her late 60s, early 70s. And
0: Bob Mackie, who did a lot of Bob Mackie dressed a lot of people in the 70s. Tina Turner, Carol Burnett and Cher. And he was quoted as saying that he and you know what? I didn't take it as sexualizing Tina. He said that her legs went on forever and I would do a disservice to cover them up. I mean, who had better legs? No one. Exactly. I don't care. I love Beyonce. It doesn't matter. And Beyonce would be the first to agree with me. Tina Turner had the legs to die for.
1: Uh, That was her. I believe she had insured them for like a million dollars each. Right. Uh, Wasn't there some rumor that because that was part of that was part of the package, the performance, the experience of going to a Tina Turner concert.
0: And another thing I found interesting about her is that she had left the United States and moved to Switzerland. And I don't just think she left. I think she gave up her, you know, American. What's the word I'm looking for? Citizenship. Citizenship. And I was like, wow, like that's really making a statement.
1: Yeah, I think Think it wasn't it to marry her long time. Well, they were they were married recently, but she was in a long, long time relationship with a German producer. And I think they settled on Switzerland for their home. So, you know, she, she sacrificed her citizenship for love.
0: Hmm. I won't say anything about that.
1: (laughs) Come on, Miss Cynic, Tell me how you really feel.
0: And also, I saw an interview with her on 60 Minutes, which was probably in the mid-2000s, and I might not have the exact time, but she actually had a Buddhist chanting room in her house in Switzerland. So I think some of that calmness took a lot of hard work, and I think it was chanting. I do believe that she has been stated as saying that she's still felt the effects of the trauma of the beatings that Ike put
1: her through. Oh, God, uh, that stays with you forever. Uh, And that's why I find her so impressive, because she always exuded this gentleness about her. And um, when you when you when you came to realize the story of her life, and the torture that ike turner put her through you know it's one of those things that i suppose it's because she became professionally established the fact that she chose to keep the name turner after after all that in some ways and maybe it's just a reflection of the era in which she she existed that she still retained some aspect of ike turner as part of her her identity I, i that's that's kind of interesting to me
0: well i think too that well i think a she had a child and i think with ike so i think that generation and not all i don't think women do that anymore but they kept their married name so their children weren't embarrassed
1: actually that's a good point i didn't think of it that way that's actually a really interesting perspective
0: but i don't think women today do we were so patriarchal let's be honest up to probably 15 years ago that she wanted that name
1: for her children right right It, it was a form of protection uh so it does make sense i never really thought about it from the perspective you just articulated but you're absolutely right it does make a lot of sense that you'd want that protection that continuity for your children
0: and i know that she seemed to have i I guess i'm not judging but i guess i found it odd that a woman and i don't know what age this all happened would leave her children in the united states to take up with the man and start a new life
1: i don't get the sense that there were children i get the sense that Children, in the sense that they were minors, I get the sense that they were adults and fairly established. And I, I don't, I wouldn't believe that Tina Turner would just simply run off with minor children without any support or any means for them to provide for themselves, unless you have something to the contrary. I
0: no, and I guess this is now becoming a, you know, a podcast about daughters. A daughter would never let a mother do that.
1: Well, <laughs> they... there you go. I think, yeah, that's. The, I think men men will more aggressively claim their independence and separation, whereas I think as a daughter would maintain the lines of attachment. It's not that they would reject independence. I think they would just. It just becomes a little bit more engaged. Whereas I think sons are like, yeah, just cut the cord and let me fly.
0: And I was, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot and just the I forget all the little bits she did. She was with Molly Shannon on Saturday Night Live. Mary Catherine Gallagher was hiding in Tina's closet in one of the episodes, and it was hysterical. She jumped out. She had her uniform on Um, a, a gentleman I grew up with is Molly Shannon's manager. And he posted it on Instagram. And I also follow Molly Shannon because he is her agent. And it was just like now now Tina Turner. It just was hysterical. She couldn't have been more gracious Mm -hmm. even though she was. But there was just something in spite of everything. She just was always a class act and really exuded optimism. And I felt that not even just for the African-American community, for all women, for all humanity. She always made you feel like, you know what? There is a better day coming.
1: Yes, the optimism, I think, is one of her lasting legacies.
0: It's kind of like the Harry Belafonte. She is, you know, 86 is part of that greatest generation. I mean, God, she was probably born in the mid 40s. So she kind of exudes that grace and elegance and optimism that you and I talk about privately, you know, off the podcast that we don't I don't see that in the world anymore. And, you know, we obviously worked in a very particular time, in a very particular place. And we talk about those women all the time. I don't see them anymore.
1: Well, I don't necessarily think there's a lot of currency for those women in today's society because yes, they're, they did exude grace and uh, a certain form of civility that I think you and I value, but they're also very attached to their husbands. And there's an opportunity cost for independence and i think women today young women middle-aged women um they're not willing to pay that kind of price they're not willing to attach themselves to their husbands in the same way that women of tina turner's generation had to so given the option i think a lot of these women will sacrifice um they're just live their lives differently that's what i'm trying to say they live their lives differently they don't live their life the way a tina turner would And yes, and we see that in the, we see that around the edges in terms of maybe some of the loss of the the civility and gentleness. And I'm not saying all women are like that, but in order for anyone to survive in society, there's a certain level of aggressiveness that you need to have, be it man or woman. You need to have a certain level of, I'm going to go out there and get it. And it requires a a level of toughness. And I think that's what we see in the current generation of, of women is they, they have their I'm going to go out in the world and get mine kind of attitude and so and and this is not casting aspersions on women that stayed at home but when you're staying, when you're at home and you are you know sort of the domestic maven you don't need to have that kind of you don't need to have that sort of battle psychology and it's it's not I'm not making a um I'm not evaluating which is better necessarily in this instance I'm just sort of describing the difference does that make sense
0: You know, and I definitely think even though Tina, you know, I would call her a badass. I think she still was very
1: patriarchal somewhere. Yeah, I I don't think you unlearn that unless you have to. It's one of those things. It's almost like your accent. Your accent is just something that is a function of your speech. You don't think about it. You probably can't really control it unless you make a conscious effort to change the way you articulate. I think in some ways, our attitudes towards relationships our attitudes towards ourselves and our attitudes to the way we should present ourselves in society. Those are unconscious functions in many ways.
0: And I guess that's why I was surprised after all the heartache with Ike. And I guess that's what I mean is that she was so consumed by a second relationship with a man. I guess that's what surprised me. Does that make sense?
1: I understand your perspective, but it doesn't surprise me because at the end of the day she still wanted to have that kind of relationship in many ways ike was just the monster that fell into her life at, at heart she still wanted to have an intimate relationship with a with her husband her male partner as defined by her values and so it, in in many ways it makes sense that i think it's a credit to tina turner i guess this is from 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 another perspective it's a credit to tina turner that she's still Wanted. She still believed in love. She still believed in men, in spite of Ike Turner. That she would put herself out there again to have the kind of relationship that she had in the latter half of her life.
0: Very interesting, Nicholas Banton.
1: Yeah, I, I think it. I think it does stand to reason that uh, there are some women who would walk out of a very abusive relationship, and. Rather than becoming cynical towards relationships and cynical towards men, they go, no, that guy was just a terrible person. That guy was a monster. There are men out there who are capable of being um, considerate, kind, gentle, supportive human beings.
0: I'm sorry, were you talking? Because I'm falling asleep now. (sighs) God help me. And the one thing I loved, too, was literally after she passed away, Mick Jagger I follow him on Instagram you can make fun of me later he normally takes a few hours to post as soon as it was announced he really went on and had a beautiful post about how she changed his life she helped the Rolling Stones they toured together and I just you know Tina Turner's up there with Cher Madonna the old Madonna Mm -hmm. you say Tina and you, you, no one has to ask who you're talking about. Beyonce, Rihanna, those one name superstars that you don't have to figure out who the name is. When you hear the name Tina,
1: you know who everyone's referring yeah, to. So. And also, I mean, in some ways, Tina Turner is like one word.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is one word.
1: Yeah, it's Tina Turner. Um, we don't necessarily think of it as Tina Turner. <laughs> you just Tina Turner. And, and you have that relationship with the the identity that she crafted over God, what, five, six decades?
0: Favorite Tina Turner song?
1: Simply the best.
0: You want to guess mine?
1: Um, No. Proud Mary?
0: No, I don't want to fight.
1: Oh, well, I was going to say (laughs) something awful, but I'm not because I'm a gentleman.
0: Rest in peace, Tina Turner. She got us with her music through so many bad times in this country with her entertaining. And again, as corny as it is is simply the best agreed let's get on to Harry and Megan
1: okay so I don't have any idea what you're talking about so <laughs> you're gonna have to take the lead on this one for sure
0: I I'm a little startled that you have no idea what's happening with Harry and Megan and their visit in New York did you Not know they, a clue.
1: Not did a clue. you know they
0: were in New York nope okay I don't I guess it's shocking to me that you don't know the whereabouts of Harry and Megan that like I every had
1: a very very important appointment cutting my grass and consequently it was an all-day affair a lot of tough negotiations you know the dandelions and the weeds were just biting me so yeah I just couldn't couldn't get around to
0: are you growing tomatoes this year
1: um no because I'm basically just growing squirrel food so no I'm not gonna grow tomatoes there's a rabbit in my backyard that just ate my flowers so I am going to give up and I'm gonna stop trying
0: isn't there a way to keep the animals away
1: yeah it's called shotgun but I'm not really a gun guy so
0: Harry and Megan were in New York. Megan was winning an award. And when they exited the building, Harry and, Meg- Harry and Meghan and Megan's mother got into a waiting limo. But it turned out to be, according to Harry and Megan, and this is where the key word is, into a paparazzi chase to the point. Plane-
1: Are we talking a la Princess Diana type thing? <laughs> Is this where we're going?
0: That's what Harry and Megging are claiming. And they got out of their detail and they thought for some reason it was a good idea to get in a taxi. But this the all of the information is very sketchy. But what is interesting is after all this happened. The mayor of New York, the paparazzi are all claiming that Harry and Megan are exaggerating exactly what happened. So, again, I feel like whenever Harry and Megan make a statement, they're torn to shreds about everything. You know, the, I personally, I think we've talked about this. I enjoyed his book Spare. But now people are claiming that they're exaggerating the paparazzi chase. And if they're so concerned about their safety, why are they coming to a city like New York? Which I think is a fair conversation.
1: I'd agree with that. But just for the record, I am not a big fan of Eric Adams, the mayor of New York. I think he's boastful. I think he is performative. Um, I don't Really? Know. Yeah. I, I, Eric Adams doesn't impress me. Eric Adams just reminds me of like, an unmarried version of George Jefferson, just loud and boastful and someone who just puts on a performance because he knows. He know, he, Eric Adams has the quality that Trump has in the sense that he understands human nature intuitively. He understands that what he says and how he says it and what he's wearing when he says it and the watch that he's wearing and the way he stands and the way he articulates and the way he shapes his voice, all those things, very powerful in terms of influencing people and making people feel a certain way about him. He understands that intuitively. Trump mastered that. From the perspective of people like you and me, Trump may sound like a buffoon, but for a lot of people, roughly half the country, Trump is is like Billy Graham and Eric Adams has that quality. But beneath that, beneath that performance, beneath that exterior, or beneath what I I would even call a facade, I don't believe there's a lot of substance there. I think it's a lot of hot air. So I'm not persuaded by Eric Adams. I I am skeptical of Megan and Harry. I, I think a healthy amount of skepticism is okay. I'm not saying that they're lying, but is it possible that both parties are somewhat correct, you know, in the sense that the mayor's assessment is, you know, the situation was a bit exaggerated and Harry and Megan, they actually felt a sense of danger. Absolutely, it's one of those times where, where both things can be true because it's a matter of human perception. But I don't necessarily think there, that there are any absolute good guys or bad guys in this situation. Eric Adams, to me, is a black Donald Trump. I don't think he's far off. I don't think he's far off. And and if in my world, I hopefully, I'm not offending any of our, any members of our audience. Comparing someone to Donald Trump is not, it's not flattering.
0: I don't like the fact that he's not married and that's coming from me because I think he's always busy trying to hook up.
1: I think that's part of part of the performance. I think Eric Adams, he is an example of someone who suffers from arrested development kind of rising to the top. And Trump is that way, too. Trump is still that young man from the late 70s, early 80s, partying with models, you know, in New York nightclubs. And now he's a man knocking on 80. And I think he's still kind of like stuck in the late 70s, early 80s phase of his life. And I think Eric Adams is a very similar kind of figure.
0: I agree. And I I guess I go back to two in terms of I don't trust Eric Adams. I think he's too busy trying to hook up. And I don't like that. I don't like that. After a certain age in a man, and he's way past that age.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's there's something a little bit unseemly about him, but uh, the reason he's the mayor of New York is because he knows how to speak to people's emotions. You know, you watch Fox News and the way they speak to, like, old white people is like, if you go into the city, you're going to get killed by roaming gangs of black and Hispanic people. And it speaks to their fears. So... Eric Adams is a similar kind of attitude. He knows how to speak to the fears of your average Amer- the average New Yorker, who's a lot more sophisticated than the average uh, American, but he still knows how to connect with people's emotions. And I think that's the key to any politician or any theologian, any preacher, pastor, pope, rabbi, imam. At the end of the day, these people are all appealing to base emotional needs and concerns. And I think Eric Adams is is excellent at it. I think he's patriarchal, too. (laughs) Probably. I think he's someone who believes that a woman should know her place. (laughs) I can see those words coming out of his mouth.
0: And I guess with Harry and Meghan, some of the back, some of the talk is, is no one listening to Harry and Meghan because Meghan is Africa is biracial. And I don't think that's the case.
1: I, I don't think that's the primary issue. Um, listen, the fact that the Prince of the United Kingdom, is that still officially his title? Is he still considered Prince? I, I don't I don't know my royal protocol, to be but honest. Okay. We'll go with that. He's, yeah. a prince, he's a prince to the English monarchy, to the British monarchy. Chose to marry a divorced, biracial American woman. I think that stings. I think that stings in the eyes of many British people, many conservative British people. I think it stings in the eyes of people who look up to the crown. So is there a component? Is there a racial component? Absolutely. I think to deny that would be dishonest. Is it the predominant issue? In terms of the the hostility towards them i think it varies from case to case
0: harry is currently harry remains the prince and the couple kept their duke and duchess of sussex titles but are no longer as dressed as hrh which is his or her royal highness okay all
1: right so there you go i think you cannot separate you cannot tease out The racial component of Harry and Macon's um, conflicts with the public—you cannot remove that from the mix. No, no, go on. I apologize. I think it's just a matter of the degree to which it's relevant.
0: I didn't. uh, This is jumping the subjects. He also gave up his military titles and no longer wears army uniform in public. And I don't know why he gave his time to the country. I think it should be separated from his service.
1: That's actually a good idea. But like I said, I don't understand British uh royal protocol so maybe maybe there's something we should look into
0: well i guess the conversation is for i feel like prince harry and prince megan or princess megan are being kind of first of all i think they both are struggling with i think concerning mental health
1: problems there's something going on I, i you know it's it's not responsible to like perform psychological analysis on someone at a distance, you know, even if you are professional, which we're not. But something does seem a bit awry. I understand like his brother William, I mean, he's just done the wool. He's going to do what he's told when he's told how he's told to do it. And he's accepted that responsibility and all the burdens that come with that kind of choice. I think Harry is flying by the seat of his pants in many ways. And i think that's what we see i think they're both just making it up they're they're flying the plane as they build it
0: and i think the reason i'm talking about all this i feel somewhat that they're being i think that they need to step back and get whatever trauma that they're dealing with and i don't like to use that word because i feel like now we're overusing it but i think they both grew up in very especially megan very unstable Households, yeah, but I feel somewhat they're a good conversation in their behavior in the last few years of people reacting to trauma.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you took a lot of us, just regular run-of-the-mill, humdrum people who have experienced similar upbringings as they, and you shown you were to shine a spotlight on their lives, you would still you would see that kind of slightly scattered, uh, impulsive kind of behavior that we see from them and so i don't think we should judge them too harshly i think we've built a culture in the west around praising famous and wealthy people we hold them we think their lives are better than ours and they're just human beings but they just happen to have been born to a certain set of parents with a certain level of income or prestige but in the broad sense what you said i I completely agree with i think it would benefit them maybe to like retreat from the spotlight and sort of grow into the role of celebrity because that's kind of what they are now with them uh, sacrificing or surrendering their royal responsibilities. They're going to be just celebrities going forward. And so they need to learn how to handle that better.
0: And I think, too, that they're being shamed somewhat because of their mental health problems. And I think they need to be careful that everyone's making fun of them because I think they're both tightly wound. So I guess it goes back to what you and I've talked about is I think they're being shamed. No one's understanding the why they're just saying to them. They're being very, very, very dramatic. And I don't think they are. I think these are two very tightly wound people that exactly, as you said, are building the plane as it's being flown. And I don't think it's a good look on them because they're getting into their 40s now.
1: Agreed. You know, I was thinking about what you were just saying. And one of the things that comes to mind as a metaphor, have you ever been around anyone who has overstartled response? I am an overstartled response. I, I, I wanted to be gentle. <laughs> it is It is that dynamic that that's the way I see it. It's In some ways, from the perspective of Harry and Meghan, they're dealing with life through the lens of someone or people who have overstartled response. I don't think they are making it up. I think they just have a slightly exaggerated response to danger. And that is a consequence of trauma, as a, as you alluded to. So I, I don't buy the argument that they're lying or that they're necessarily consciously putting themselves in a situation to elicit sympathy from the public or garner attention. If I had to throw on my psychology hat, I would say that they are two people that as a consequence of trauma, have an overstartled response to the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, because I I am someone that has an overstartled response, I stepped back. I really needed to get a handle on it. I need to know what triggers me, and I don't want to be that startled person. So I know what works for me now, and whether it's good or bad, I feel like They kind of need to, they need to kind of live a little more
1: quietly. Yeah, I think it would benefit them.
0: I just, and people that were calling them dramatic and liars. And I guess, and I've probably said this before, I have a soft spot for Harry because I feel that in my own life, I've been criticized for overreacting when it really wasn't that. I was absolutely terrified. And I know the feeling that goes with that shame of being made fun of right so that's why i think i'm always i don't i don't have a soft spot for megan i'm not i'm not really sure what her core is but i believe harry at the core is an extraordinary human being and i'd like to see him take a step back and i think that's why i'm always defending him because i'm defending myself right i'm defending family members that i know struggle with mental health and i get the phone calls that they're dramatic and and unless you know what that person's feeling believe me it they wish they weren't.
1: So maybe this is something you can help explain to me. What's their financial situation? Where's the money coming from? Or who is it coming from? That's are they making their own money or is are this are uh, King Charles funding their lives?
0: I'm going to go right now to Harren and Harry and Meghan's money. Because I mean, what people think they're worth. OK, um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have an estimated net worth of 60 million, which honestly is not a lot of money for them. The couple has signed a series of lucrative deals, including documentaries, books, podcasts, and more worth an estimated total of one hundred and thirty five million.
1: Well, that's a lot of money,
0: but it's not. Look, now I'm defending it's not.
1: You. It's not liquid assets. I understand that. It's not cash in the bank. It's it's total gross assets.
0: I do think he got about 20 million from Princess Diana. But let's be honest, you and I could live off 20 million dollars the rest of our life. This you know, they're now doing security everywhere.
1: It requires an entourage, requires extensive sense of security, requires first class uh, accommodations and transportation. So, yes, what you and I would do in a month, uh, they do in a day, even if we had access to that kind of money. So I, I do understand what you're saying. Um, It's a very expensive life, so you need a very high income. I still think, you know, at that level, you just you have to find your place in the rat race. You have to find your lane. And they are not in the same lane as William because they made a conscious effort to surrender their royal attachments. They need to recognize and I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just sort of speaking without any sort of judgment that they need to recognize now they're in a different lane. And so their lifestyles have to be different. So I think if they feel entitled to live like royalty without the support of the royal coffers, then I think that is that's a bit. Misguided, and I think, as you said multiple times now, I'm going to reiterate the point. You are right. I think they need to recognize that the world is potentially a threat to them. Not ne- not necessarily because the threat is real, but because they're both victims. They're both survivors. I think is a better word of trauma. Consequently, they are going to perceive dangers in an exaggerated way. And someone just someone needs to intervene at some level to save these kids, to, well, they're not kids, to save these two people from themselves, you know, because it's not just them, they're now two small children in the mix. And you can't have over people in a position to make critical decisions when they're when they can't necessarily trust their judgment as it affects other people
0: as working royals they receive 95 percent of their annual income from harry's father then prince of wales that's interesting so they're
1: getting money from, from no no, no
0: when they were working royals i'm oh,
1: sorry i misunderstood
0: no no no. but it's just interesting because probably charles charles probably i i it was Quoted that Charles said to Harry, "I can't afford you and your wife." So I guess for me, when I look at Harry, it's a conversation about trauma, mental health, mental health support, the way people are judged. But I have to be honest; I think I look at him, and I still see the little boy walking behind his mother's coffin.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's almost like the the image of uh, John John walking yes. behind walking Harry, behind JFK's Prince- uh, film yeah. procession.
0: Yeah, and also when he, you know, when uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., and that didn't end well.
1: Yeah, I mean, John John never really became settled. I mean, to the point where he put himself into the ocean, no, not deliberately, of course, but early childhood trauma is something that needs to be dealt with and dealt with with seriousness. I feel like we're, we're, we're basically circling at this point in terms of um, in terms of uh, the topic that we're discussing.
0: Was that telling me to be quiet?
1: Shut up. Sorry.
0: Let's talk about our sponsor today.
1: Who's the our sponsor, Marie?
0: Shops on Market Street, my niece Ashley. Woo-hoo! Westchester's premier barbershop, providing the freshest cuts and the biggest smiles. 134 East Market Street, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Please follow them on Instagram. You can do all of your scheduling, see all of their gorgeous haircuts. They do focus on... A lot on children which is a good thing boys you know boys can be a little difficult in the haircut area the girls every every person the staff is trained with children they're excellent i would give the phone number but they do all of your scheduling on instagram so please reach out to them nick are you getting your summer haircut
1: yes and i am going to look fabulous can you handle it (laughs) that's so 10 years ago listen i'm not living in the fast lane
0: thank you for joining us today on the white bikini Please remember to subscribe to The White Bikini on all of your favorite podcast services, whether it be Apple, Spotify, and please follow us on Instagram again at The White Bikini. Thank you for joining us today and happy Memorial Day.